Welcome to the Mad Pastors Podcast, the honest podcast for honest pastors, powered by G6 Allies, because everybody needs an ally. Welcome back to the Mad Pastors Podcast. I'm Ian Dunaway. I'm Michael. And we are very excited to jump in with you. Uh, We are really kind of finishing out our episodes on uh, conflict. Uh, You could listen to this one and listen to other ones if you haven't, but we're very excited. We've been walking through kind of the, the basis of healthy, managing healthy conflict and dealing with that, all uh, getting ready to, to release uh, a resource that we have on conflict management. Because here's the thing, you it's really, I feel like conflict, some people may avoid it, some people may dive into it mm-hmm. too much. I think that most of our culture is that way, but, you know, I think when it comes out to anonymous conflict, we're probably, you know, or, or Facebook or something like that, we dive in, but we tend to shy away from important conflict and managing it well, and we really forget and realize uh, that conflict is an opportunity uh, to not only grow deeper with somebody else, right? Because scripture tells us that iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens another, and that is our design. So conflict is actually a good thing if it's managed in a healthy way, but you can't get away from it. It's, yeah. it's yeah. You're never going to get away from it. and Especially if you're a pastor or if you're a believer or any kind of lay leader in the church, that's just part of it. And we've said before that your, your ability or inability to manage conflict, to handle it well, mm-hmm. is, is going to be one of the most key, if not the most key determining factor to how fruitful your ministry is. I mean, yeah. people people have have ruined and collapsed entire ministries and churches because they didn't handle conflict well. Yeah. And then vice versa, because you handled conflict really well, it caused ministries to experience a season of, of great fruitfulness. And if you're not a, a head pastor or a lead pastor and you've got people underneath, or you're the one underneath somebody like that, the way they handle conflict will inevitably affect you as well. And so we're going to talk about some of that tonight today, but really kind of going off, uh, you know, David prays what is a very, um, a very dangerous prayer in the Psalms. And he says, Lord, search me uh, and know if there's anything in me that offends you. And, um, you know, I think Francis Bacon had an incredible quote when he said um, that it is, a terrible thing for a man to be known by everyone else and yet unknown to himself. And part of what we we've addressed this to some degree, but we're going to spend a lot of time in, in this last episode really on conflict, focusing on this is the idea of knowing how we handle conflict. Yeah. So when you, when you think about conflict and, and the way that we respond to it, um, you know, there, there's really a couple of different, responses that we do for in fact mm-hmm. uh, and so in in one segment of the resource that we call insight highlights where we take yeah. a a leadership book or or some kind of beneficial book that's not necessarily ministry or, or theology related and we give you a summary of it and show how it applies to yeah. the ministry world right mm-hmm. and so one of the, in this in this resource one of the books that we did that with is called complex PTSD. From Surviving to Thriving by a guy named Pete Walker. Now, I know what you're saying. 
the the ideal weekend for you is curling up beside a roaring <laughs> fire and cracking open a little complex PTSD by Pete Walker. It it is not for the faint of heart, that's no. for sure. It's And it's, that's why we do what we do here is that it is very beneficial to you, but let's just be honest, wading through that is difficult, especially if you don't have a, a counseling background, but there is so much in it that will help us. That's why we broke it down it's, for you. It's a very uh, technical book mm-hmm. and it's full of of counseling language and and yeah. Um, psychology uh, assessments and ideas and and so I mean it's just it's it's a very helpful book yeah. but if that's not your field of study it's going to be a tough one to work through just because you're a pastor it's okay to admit you may not be a good counselor I'll be the first to admit it I'm the guy that preaches truth and then says fix it <laughs> and that's not a good counselor <laughs> so so let me but let me preface this with with a couple yeah. of things one. Don't let what I just said about the book scare you off from it. Yeah, I want no you to get the book. I want you. To, there's so much helpful mm-hmm. stuff. You're going to read this book and go, oh, that makes a whole lot of sense now. Yeah, very I, there's lots of great insights in this book. So that's mm-hmm. that's one. Uh, two, Ian and I, as he just said, we are not counselors. Yeah. And so we kind of feel we certainly are unqualified to really dive into this book. But we are very good looking. Um we we can't explain every facet to it to you. Sure. We're, that's it's not our our gifting or our our qualifications. But uh, there are a couple of insights here that we can pull from this to help you think about how we manage conflict. In fact, this book isn't itself about conflict management, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's about complex PTSD, post traumatic right. stress disorder. Now, what does that have to do with conflict management that we're talking about? Yeah. All right. So I mentioned that there are four responses, right? Sure. Well, and, and maybe too, as we're getting started, we can talk about what complex PTSD is. Because as, as soon as I hear PTSD, I think I'm not a war veteran. I'm not a, you know, this or that. Because this is not just going to help you think about you. It's going to help you relate to other people. And, and Pete Walker, really, Michael, correct me if I if I miss this, but... Um, the idea, post-traumatic stress disorder is PTSD. We, we really hear about that a lot with, you know, maybe it's a, a sexual assault victim or you hear it in regards to a military person or somebody's suffered a really big trauma, okay? What I think is, is so interesting about this, and I don't know if Pete Walker is the first person to really come up with this theory, um, but his statement was that you could eliminate in the DSM-4, which is this massive catalog of all known psychiatric uh, issues that you could eliminate almost 80% of it. If we would understand uh, that the majority of problems that we categorize as their own issues are actually ways to cope with complex PTSD and complex PTSD is, it is almost a summation of continual unhealthy, um, continual and unhealthy experiences that we have, right? So a lot of times this comes out, he thinks that upwards of uh, 60 or 70% of people deal with CPTSD. And that is, you know, did you constantly grow up with parents who were always unhealthy and seemed to attack you in certain areas of your life? And so now that informs different coping mechanisms and trigger words and different issues like that. Or have there been, you know, consistent long-term things that, cause you to really struggle. Is that is that a good way to su- kind of summarize that? No, that that's that's accurate. Um I think what we need to understand about complex PTSD is that like you said it's not just about 
those who have come back from war or yeah. uh, were abused as as children and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, and that's part of what makes it complex is that it's it's a lot harder to identify. It's a lot more intricate. It's more involved. Yeah. And at the end of the day, what this is, they are defense mechanisms. Mm. And so these four responses to what are perceived threats and, and conflict certainly would fall into that category, right? Yeah. That yeah. when we have conflict... A lot of times it's the conflict occurs or it's escalated because one party or the other senses some kind of threat, whether to themselves or to something they value, and that and that turns into some kind of conflict. Sure. And so we typically respond in one of these four ways. The first two are pretty we've heard all those. It's the last two that are interesting. Right. So the first two fight and flight, right? Yeah. That that we're we're familiar with those. We either bow up or we <laughs> run away. Yeah. Right. Uh the other two are freeze and fawn. So fight, mm. flight, freeze and fawn. What freeze. Do those mean? So let's just walk through all four of them. So yeah. fight is uh when you get aggressive towards whatever sure. threat it is. So defensive, you, you perceive a threat, yeah. you start yelling, you know, somebody somebody says something to you that you don't like, and so you yell in response and you get hot tempered and, yeah. and that that would be a fight response. So the more combative you get, the more prone you are for fight. Uh, a a flight would be you you run away from it. You mm-hmm. and, and this this takes a couple different forms. You could either just like completely ignore it and just go the other way. Yeah. Ignore that person because you don't want to have that conflict, you know. Yeah. You you ignore the elephant in the room, or you preoccupy yourselves like hyperactivity doing other things so that you're focused on something other than that uh, task. So yeah. you know you've got to have a conversation with somebody, but you keep putting it off because you've got eighty six things on your to do list that you gotta do. Oh, and actually, I could add five more things to that to-do list so that I don't have time to talk to that person. <laughs> That's a flight it's response. It's a sneaky way of procrastinating doing it. Right. The next response is freeze. This so freeze yeah. freeze is where uh, you you become emotionally unavailable. You just completely shut down. You have no feeling toward anything at all. And so it yeah. just you just kind of crawl inside your shell and you stay there. And then the uh, the final one, the fawn response, is one where you essentially become a doormat. Yeah. You, you lay down your own interest. You give yourself over to the aggressor because you want to make them happy, because you want to to you know keep them appeased. You want them to to relent from their attack toward you. Yeah. And so it's it's like a dog with the tail between the legs, kind of a thing yeah. where you're yeah. getting out of the way and, and letting them have their way. Right. You just yeah. Let and on. so. So those are the four, and those are kind of harsh descriptions of all four of them. Uh, and and one thing that Walker describes in the book is that they we actually in a healthy, balanced world, all of us use all four of these mm-hmm. responses yeah. uh, to to threats. And you know, and they're not all necessarily negative. A, a fight response is a good thing when you're standing up for yourself or when, you know when you're a st- making a, a firm stance on a border or a boundary in your life yep fight is a good response uh, you you fawn when you're trying to strike a compromise with somebody for the better good right like sure these are all good things that, that we're that we're involved in where PTSD or CPTSD comes into this is when we, as especially as children, have experienced some kind of trauma or pain yeah. that we defer to one of these four responses, and we do so to an extreme. 
And so we only go to the fight mode or we only go to the freeze mode. Mm-hmm. And and as we grow up, we entrench that habit so deeply in us that we begin to over-rely just on that one response. So every kind of threat we perceive, every kind of conflict we run into, we rely only on that one response. And it's extremely detrimental to our overall well-being, to our emotional yeah. health, to our relationships, to our careers, to our ministries. That It, it tears it all down because we yeah. don't have a balanced approach to this. Because it seemed to be that growing up or in whatever situation, that was the only thing that seemed to work. Right, and, right. And so that, yeah. that became your primary defense mm. mechanism against pain. And ultimately what it is, it's a distraction, yeah. right? And so we've learned almost intuitively now to use this freeze method to mm-hmm. respond to any perceived threat. So you feel a threat, mm-hmm. I'm just going to shut down. Yeah. And and I'm going to shut down every time, no matter what. Even if that's not the appropriate response, maybe I should fight for this one. Or maybe I should compromise on this one. Or sure. maybe I sh- this is one I should let go and ignore and, and take the flight approach, it's right? It's a pretty good filter, yeah. And, and s- but, but because we have conditioned ourselves to respond in this way, we're always going to respond with this one approach. Well, and, the, and and as you talk about that, I think it even, it should help. Again, we, we may get this, but I think bringing out the simple thing is important. Everybody that you're going to be in conflict with or just the people you're around, every one of them has this exact same system too. Mm-hmm. And it really helps. You know, we all have people that seem overly combative. You know, we all have the people that freeze up and go, you know, they're emotionally unavailable. Um, as soon as there's some kind of negativity, it really helps us. How do I approach it with this person? And I think genuinely being aware that this just exists helps us tenfold on how we deal with it. Right. It, you it, may not be a per, you're not a you don't have to be a counselor to use this. Absolutely. And, to get it. and yeah, you know, we're not we're not advocating that everybody become pop psychologists <laughs> and. You know, we we dig into every, every time you have a conflict with mm. somebody, you're not going to sit down and ask them to hash out their deepest pain Excuse in their me, childhood. Excuse me, which of the four Fs do you struggle right. with? Right. Tell but, me about your mother. But understanding this typology yeah. makes a huge difference for us, right? In fact, yeah. just in just that brief description of these four, you've probably identified, like, I can think of people who have that flight response, who have the fight response, who yep. fawn, who freeze. I can think of people, and I personally know, okay, I tend to gravitate toward this one, right? Like, it's a pretty mm-hmm. easy, like, you don't need some kind of deep uh, diagnostic tool or, or yeah. assessment to figure out which of these you tend to gravitate towards. It's Yeah, it's pretty, I mean, like, and you even think about, think about your church structure, maybe you're a staff member, maybe you're a head pastor, maybe you're just a leader, but it also is very interesting to see how many of these types of people you see gathered around leadership or that you gather around yourselves, right? I've seen, we've kind of seen back and forth, maybe your church has a lot of fighters and they all tend, you know, they're kind of lions in the personality realm or what's really dangerous as well is having nothing but fawns Mm -hmm. and that those tend to be yes men. And again, it seems harsh. It's not, you know, we're not trying to be harsh with you as much as to say, listen, if all you're ever hearing is yes, then that means Nobody feels, you know, I, I was at a church once. I heard stories about the previous pastor and the whole statement would be if, if somebody on the financial committee brought up something that they were concerned about, he would just bully them and they would go, OK, yeah. And the one guy that changed it, he said he didn't want to put me on that council when he realized who I was. But I stood up and went, no, you can't change all this stuff. This is not appropriate. And it it kind of shifted everything. But it's it's interesting 
to be aware of these four Fs, not only in how I process, but who am I putting around me to help me in that way? Right? Yeah, great, great point because it, it 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 doesn't it doesn't benefit us to surround ourselves with people who have always have the same response as us, right? Because that yeah. all that does is that completely walls off blind spots, and we have no idea because right. there's not somebody else there to help sharpen and, and encourage and, and cor- course correct. Winston Churchill kind of did this uh, a lot. He said, I, "I surround myself with my opponents." Um, and now maybe that's not exactly what you want to do in a reporting ministry, but I thought it was interesting that whereas most leaders want people to help fulfill their vision, he wanted people that would challenge his so that it either became more set in stone or it became, it changed it based on reality. Right. And I think that's a great, a great statement. I've had people, you know, that's, I've kind of tried to follow that throughout even ministry with us is to have people. And that's part of why G6 allies exists. You need people who are willing to be honest with you. The difference is you don't want people to just beat you up. Right. You want people that will be honest with the fight and say, hey, this is just I don't think this is working. Or people that know when to say, hey, I'm going to fawn a little bit and say, you're you're the boss or you're following. I get that. We're going to follow you until this thing falls apart. So another thing that, that Walker tells us is there are very few people who are purely one of the the four F's, right? Yeah. Uh, most of the time, we we create a hybrid model mm-hmm. where we have one primary and then a secondary that we tend to to lean towards. So, yeah. uh, and so ultimately, there's about twelve different response types. All these hybrids, where you're you're a fighter, and then there's three different subsets. You're you know you're a fighter flighter, you're a fighter freezer, yeah. you're a fighter fawner. So. You know, we've got, you've got subsets, but I I would ask the question, if it's just me listening to this for the first time, you know, I'm going to start going, well, how do seemingly opposite Fs and these four Fs, when they go together and one of them, we're going to have subsets, how do two completely opposing ones work together? Like, for example, um, you've got flight where you're going to run from or disassociate from stuff and get out of there as quick as possible. And then you've got fawn, which is much more codependent, much more compromised, just do what you're told. Those don't seem to really be similar, but there right. is that type of flight fawn. How does that work? So some of the some of the hybrids are very uncommon, but it sure that you you can identify psychologists can identify people that fit into those. Some of some of yeah. them are more common. So your example, the the flight fawn, you know, that's going to be somebody who uh, is a workaholic. Right. They they're Mm. constantly working hard because they're people pleasers and they're doing work for other people. But they're also going to fawn and, and, you know, lay down what they're trying to accomplish so that they can help other people. But they're going to busy themselves with menial tasks so that they don't have to actually address real pain and and trauma in their life, which is that flight response. So the way they kind of fit together and that's part of what makes this whole thing complex PTSD, yeah. right? Not yeah. it's not just a simple. Hey, I had this traumatic event that changed my life. Uh, it's much more complex than that. It, it's yeah. more of a all of these, as we said, are defense mechanisms. When you see these things uh, being over relied on, whether it's a pure form or whether it's a hybrid form, when we are over relying on these and we're actually mm-hmm. crippling ourselves uh, to to having a, experiencing life the way that we could yeah what we're ultimately doing is trying to distract ourselves or cover up or veil some kind of unaddressed trauma 
from our past. We yeah. don't want to actually address the real issue of what's taking place there. And so instead of facing that pain or that trauma directly, we use one of these defense mechanisms as a response to it. Does that's that make a, sense? Yeah, yeah. I think that that's really, it's interesting too, to hear that and and really to think through that. I mean, it's interesting, you know, when he talks about in the book that there are, you know, that the vast majority of psychological conditions, you know, would not exist if we dealt with these things. And, you know, you, it kind of, this is, you know, I'm not a counselor again, I'm not trying to be, but I think it's interesting that when we look at people, it kind of helps us to say, let's think about, let's hear more about their past. I think you can go to a very good um, winning friends and influencing people principle. You want to talk more about other people than you talk about yourself. And when you hear more about them, that helps us a lot to maybe assess and to think about, okay, I'm seeing their past. How how many, you know, coping mechanisms do they have here? And that's, you know, we, we've all seen people that they t- tend to take a stand on. It may not even be a popular thing. They just have a really clear stand on something. And we go, that's ridiculous. That has zero to do with what you disagree with here. But you're like, no, because that goes against this stand. Well, a lot of times there's a coping mechanism where it's like this. I will I hold here and no further because this is the one thing I've got. And. Mm-hmm. That really helps us work around that, not to necessarily obliterate it, but even if it's wrong, you know, part of shepherding is not as much about being a counselor, which there is just as an encouragement, side note, there is nothing bad. You need to have multiple Christian counselors that you can trust, not the kind of counselors that go, just pray more, because that's not a good counselor, but good Christian counselors that you can refer people to, and you need to actively do that. That's not, that's being okay with a weakness on your part and allowing God to work through others. Um, but and, and if you're a pastor listening to this and, and you're looking for yeah that help, you need, you, you're looking for a counselor or you, you want to get into some therapy to, to help you mm-hmm. resolve some past pain and, and issues, G6 Allies, we can connect you with counselor, yeah. with licensed therapists and psychologists uh, around the country to help you uh, address those those issues. So right. we we are here to to help you as, as much as we can, but we also recognize the limitations of that help, sure. and we'll connect you with those who are able uh, to help you to a much greater extent. And you know, a lot of times we hear, I've heard some really bad things, uh, really negative things from people about what contract or what uh, counseling looks like, and that if you go to counseling or take medication, you know. You might as well just give up your ministry. I've heard that kind of stuff over and over. And that's just, that's a lie from the enemy built in insecurity from us. And that's something you need to pursue. You don't have to make it public if you're not comfortable. Uh, But really, it's a lot. uh, It says a lot about you if you're willing to say, hey, I just need to be emotionally healthy. Mm -hmm. And that's an okay thing. But yeah, I, I think that we... We've got a lot going on here, and so for us as as people who are shepherding and helping watch and walk through things with our people, um, Michael, how do you see a misunderstanding of the four Fs happen in churches a lot? So I think a couple of things. Uh, one, we've already touched on that that we build ministries or we surround ourselves with people who tend toward the same response as we do. Yeah. And uh, and so that that can be detrimental. I also think uh, that well, you know, there, there's two real big takeaways that we can focus on. Uh, it's kind of a roundabout way of, of answering your question, but one of those is 
recognizing these four F's yeah. is going to help us navigate how we respond to people. So if you're a pastor and you've got a team of volunteers that, that you're leading or even your church as a whole and, and the individuals you're in contact with, sure, knowing this structure, knowing this typology and how this works is going to allow you to shape the most beneficial response to those times of conflict, right? Yeah. So knowing that that you know volunteer Joe that he every time he's going to be mad about something and he's going to come to you being angry and, and complaining about something yeah uh, that's going to allow you to recognize okay he typically displays a fight response so that allows me to prepare for the fight response when he mm-hmm. comes to me so I'm not blindsided by that doesn't a fight mean response. put your brass knuckles on spiritually right. <laughs> yeah you're, you're not like getting ready for a yeah. fight yourself but it allows you to respond in a way that right. cuz you cuz you can anticipate how he's going to respond it helps mm. you to navigate that a little bit better that's good uh or you know when when volunteer Sally comes to you and you know that she's one that she's just going to be okay with everything and going <laughs> to going to lay she's going to fawn right well, you as a pastor are able to help her stand up for herself a little more and, yeah. and to not be a victim and not to be a doormat and to, <laughs> to kind of look through, uh, hey, how do you grow as a person? This whole typology lets us get beyond surface level uh, responses and even surface level conflicts yeah. to really shepherd people at a deeper emotional level and help them grow and mature as Christ followers yeah. instead of just, oh, well, we got past that conflict and now let's move on to the next one. Right. We're actually helping people grow. This should be a part, and conflict in general should be something that we're not getting worn out by. Is and Now, granted, we, there are times, but that generally shouldn't be like, ugh, every time we go to it because we should in healthy conflict, be seeing at least fruit in some aspect over time. Um, To me, other than this being self-aware, giving us a self-awareness, as well as, I think, an emotional intelligence with other people, giving us an EQ with them of saying, okay, I I get it. Um, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I think that that really has a lot to say and prepares us in a lot of ways. Like, just even being able to use this resource with you, maybe your group leaders or your staff, this has a deep discipleship implication to it for us. Um, and, you know, for the people that say, well, all I need is the Bible. Well, yes, all we need is God's word. Um, but if you believe in God's word, we're made in God's image and it's a complex image and sin is a complex problem. And so understanding this is incredibly helpful that each person, discipleship is not an assembly line. It is a, essentially it's like a, a master crafting of each person we invest in. And so I think this helps you to say, hey, I want to look at the person that's fight every time and go, hey, bro or ma'am, you don't need to be so defensive about everything you're talking about. I get it. Nobody's attacking you. You know, you look at the person that's flight and say, no, 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 no. You need to understand what is important and what's not. Don't just run away from it. Or, you know, I think about really the fond person, like you said, that it's hey, it's okay to disagree. You don't have to be a jerk about it, and you're not a jerk for doing it. It's right. okay to say there's an issue. And I think that there's a there's a lot of discipleship truth in this that you know we may miss. I think for us, discipleship, and I, I know for me in my ministry, it's what I hear from the professionals, from the big organizations, is just buy this book, and you can disciple someone. And right. discipleship's a lot more than that. Yeah. You know? And it, because it, it requires getting involved in people's lives. Yes. And uh, I know... That like, seems I, really I, hard. I saw a I saw this 
typology displayed uh, in a staff team that I was leading. Mm. We were in a we, we were in a staff meeting, and uh, one of one of the guys who on my team who defaults to the fight mode. Yeah, uh, he was always you know pushing boundaries. He was always the aggressor. Uh, made a statement toward one of the other staff members that was a bit out of turn, but it wasn't terrible. I mean, it wasn't like, uh, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said yeah. that kind of thing. Right. But it was enough that it it triggered something in this other staff member who, because I had had personal conversations with him, knew that he had been abused as a child and that oh, wow. and that freeze was his mode. And and he uh, and we had been working on it and knew that freeze like he would shut down when when he would get stressed or when any kind of perceived threat he would just shut down. Man. And I watched him in that meeting. I, you could physically see him shut down. Man. Walls went up and he just put his head down and just shut off and never said another word. Because I'm aware of that, I was able to pull him aside after the meeting and have a conversation with him rather than letting him stay in that freeze mode. Mm -hmm. I was able to coach him and guide him into, Hey, this is a time for a fight response. You know, he said kind of a jerky thing to you. (laughs) Push back on that a little bit. Yeah. Don't just shut down because if you shut down, he's going to keep doing it. And because conflict is a good thing. It can be a good thing. Right. And and so, and so that's one example of how understanding Mm. this typology kind of helps us lead people and helps us make disciples in a little better way than if I had just been like, Oh, he got, he's kind of butthurt over that and (laughs) I don't get it, but I'm just going to let it go. I got to get involved in that and help yeah. him guide uh, his own emotional inner turmoil and and work through that in a way that leads to healthy relationships really with good. with your with your teammates. Um, that said, when it comes to understanding these four F's, one thing we don't want to do, a trap we want to avoid, is letting these become an excuse. Oh yeah, right. Like yeah. oh, this guy he fights all the time. He must have some trauma as a kid, and sure. and so poor him. I'm just gonna let it go. I can't really say anything because that's not my place. And well, mm. sometimes it is your place to yeah. step in there, and sure. and it doesn't excuse their behavior or justify behavior because of their past trauma. We we yeah. still that that just that just reinforces a victim mentality. Where still yeah. is accountability and and a an etiquette and a proper way of of handling things. You that said we ought to to. Uh, approach well you said just the exact word i was thinking of is victim mentality and that that you know not not getting political or any of those things but our entire culture i think that it's sad and one of the issues we have with the church is that it seems like we are indistinguishable in the church uh between church and politics that's just that's uniquely i think right now an american thing that has got to stop because we can't allow that to define us but man just the climate, the socio, you know, our, our social climate right now is victim. Everybody's a victim. So in, anytime you try and relate to somebody else, you're walking on pins and needles and eggshells. Um, but this is not what the four F's are not. It's like you're saying, it's not an eggshell uh, guide to help me not ever disturb somebody. What it is, is it's really a scalpel to help be very precise in how we help uh, not only communicate to, but invest in other people, right? Yeah, it it should allow us to to gain more understanding and sympathy yeah. for someone's p- 
position, mm-hmm. but it doesn't excuse yeah. wrongs, uh, and and neither does it dismiss us from from being there to help. Right? Well, part, yeah. It's a good balancing. Part act. of knowing Christ is, and I think we forget this a lot of times, especially when it's somebody that's hurt us. But part of knowing Christ is not only that you understand you're forgiven. Uh, but it's the fact that you now understand you're accountable mm-hmm. <laughs> and that you are empowered to change that. And we seem to forget the second half. And, you know, we're not doing anybody any favors by constantly go, oh, it's OK. They're just like, no, Christ saved us so that we can become more than just the summation of our problems. And and, and that's and that's a good segue into the other takeaway yeah. from this discussion of the four F's is. We need to apply these four F's or the hybrids of them. All of these different derivatives of it to our own self, not just so far. We've only discussed when we see this and displayed in others. Right. But one of the most crucial components to navigating conflict well is self-awareness and understanding where you're at and where you're coming from. I'm going to challenge you, pastor, who's listening to this. Think about yourself. How do how do you typically respond is there one of these four F's that you gravitate toward? Are you all? Are you going to be the one who goes to the fight mode every time? Yeah. No matter what the situation is, you're ready for a fight. Yep. Or you're the one that's going to say, okay, yes, I'm good with whatever, and I'll, <laughs> I'll just bow down to, to anything. If you gravitate towards one of these, just, just the self-awareness to recognize this, and over time, you'll notice patterns mm. of behavior. You know, you know, I do tend to fawn most of the time or I do freeze up and just shut down most of the time when I should have a more balanced response between the four I default to this one a lot that will a lot of times do a couple of things one it's going to help you as you're in the middle of a conflict situation with somebody yeah. you're able to go all right my voice is getting louder and I'm yelling it <laughs> I'm right. I'm shifting to a fight response with this person. The words that I use are getting more intense. And, and more, I don't yeah. know if that's actually the right thing. So it takes us back to that reflect concept yeah. within this this conflict management that we've talked about, right? Yeah. It helps us reflect on this a little better. The other thing that it does is it helps us identify patterns yeah. in ourselves where when we've noticed this pattern, it allows us to go, okay, maybe there's some previous pain or or trauma in my life that is unresolved that yeah. I've not addressed that I'm afraid to address or <laughs> that I just don't want to yeah. or whatever and scary. and it's especially yeah, it's scary if you and it's keeping the... us from from actually growing oh, because yeah. because we get stuck in this rut and now every time something happens we just default to this issue instead of having actually addressed it worked through it and moved on to a better life, we get stuck in that instead. I think you hit a really good point there, though, too, about that there's, there is some fear in this, and it takes courage to do it, is because, and I mean, this is, I'm not blaming this on America or the last hundred years. I mean, this is just a human nature church problem, but, you know, I want, you know, one good thing to think about, not only in yourself and how you can, by doing this by example, empower others, is the idea that, um, we we really live this is why community is such a difficult thing we preached on community in our church recently and talking about the idea that um as believers shame tends to be one of the greatest tools of the enemy but one of the most common responses in the church why why do we not admit where we're struggling or be okay to revisit things of about because we're ashamed that you know f- for me personally so I I'll, you know, I'll be a little bit raw I think more than anything, I'm a fight fawn person. 
Um, I my immediate response is defensive or fight, and a lot of that is just from the past, and especially I think some of us have a, some CPTSD from the churches we've served in, and that and church structure. My immediate response is you've either got you've got to fight really hard for what you think is right, but then at a certain point when you get pushed back on, you just fawn and go, well, okay, but you walk away dissatisfied and angry because you didn't stand up in the way you should have, and. That led to a lot, that leads to with me a lot of, I come across defensive not meaning to, or when people really attack me, I don't stand up in a way that's okay. And I, I tend to have painful self-awareness after an issue when I go through it. Um, you know, we were talking about this the other day. I tend to be painfully self-aware and understand all these problems, but in the heat of the moment, and it's not even that heated, but in the heat of the moment while it's going on, Without even meaning to, I, I struggle to blurt out or to say things I shouldn't. And that's, that's a pretty deep thing, you know, to along with what you're saying, too. Some of y'all have people on your team. I had a assistant. I don't really believe uh, I'm not somebody that says, you know, everybody should get to speak into everything all the time and it should be groupthink. Um, but there is a lot to say about empowering every voice on your team because everybody has a unique perspective. But I had a, an assistant once and it was just her and I at the time on this team and we were really trying to get some things healthy. And what I noticed very quickly, she was a workaholic. She was very much, she had very strong opinions, but she fawned. And it was very easy to run over and to tell her what was what. But I could tell that she was a pretty wise person and paid attention to, and she was very good at following what was going on. And I just found myself, I wasn't thinking about it in the 4F term. I just remember thinking, you know, she it's going to be very, like at one point we had to break down because she was at the breaking mm -hmm. point mentally uh, before a, a big event that we were doing that was important for our ministry. And I stopped her. I said, hey, you look like you're about to lose it right now. And I know that over we're going to be spending about 30 out of the next 48 hours in a couple of days uh, doing a lot of work together. And if we can't hold it together in planning, and we didn't know each other very well, I said, we're not going to be able to do it there. So just tell me what's going on. Well, she breaks down in tears and says, there's a lot of other things pulling on her. And we were able to help separate those, work on it. But I knew from that point on, rather than, you know, I want to, I don't want to just let her fawn over whatever we talk about. My deal was constantly encouraging her to push back. I want to know what you think. Let's hear about it. And it really made our ministry better and stronger through that. Yeah. So having, having that awareness of those situations makes a huge difference. Yeah. And so as your pastor, as you're leading people, and you know you've you've got somebody who defaults to one of these conflict modes and and they don't do it well and they you know they're always going to do one of these things uh that should give you an opportunity to sit down with them recognizing that there's a bigger picture here right yeah. it's, it's not just about right. they don't do it just because they like to fight right <laughs> or because they just hate you <laughs> yeah there there's something bigger going right. on there and it and Again, you're not just going to sit down and say, hey, you fight all the time. What was your biggest trauma as a child? Like, that's not how you're going to Tell me about this. your mother, right? But it does, it does open the door for you to have some deeper, more meaningful conversations with them to gain a better understanding of where they're at yeah. so that you can help lead them out of that. You, you have to yeah. get to where they're at in order to help guide them to a better future. That's that's discipleship. That's just good that, leadership. Exactly. That is discipleship. Yeah. Right? That's what it looks like. It's it's discipleship isn't about creating clones of you. It's about helping people knock down the jungle in front of them and walk with them. And 
No, I love it. I think that to end out this episode, we just want to uh, encourage you and let you know one thing. This doing this and keeping this mindset is next to impossible when you are constantly burned out. Okay, and take it from a couple pastors who we have at different times in our ministry, just like you, become things that we didn't want to be because we were constantly running chasing something other than what was most important. So I want to, if you haven't already, I want to encourage you, go online and pick up our uh, time management resource. It's called Making Your Week Count. Um, and and that is, and here's why that's important. Um, also, go back and listen to the podcasts that go along with it. Maybe even take your staff through it. But here's the thing. You cannot be who God has designed you to be and even be happy and healthy and relate to other people and care about them if you are so worn out you can't even evaluate yourself. And that's just, we just want to encourage you with that. Um, if, if you got a hard time buying it or, or getting it or your budget's thin, let's just shoot us a text or an email or a call. We would love to, to help you any way that we can um, and answer any more questions. If you're asking more and you need to be connected to counselors or to people like that, or just have some coaching and support, please don't hesitate to email us. Here's the deal. Worst thing that can happen you just don't like interacting with us and you stop, <laughs> but it's, but it's worth a try. Uh, so I think that's great. Yeah. So guys, we will put the link to the book on the show notes. Yep. You can, where you can get that book, uh, get the resource like Ian's talking about and, uh, know pastors that we are praying for you. We mm-hmm. know, understand the struggles yeah. of, of what conflict can do and how that affects us. Sure. And, uh, we're, we're praying that you, Fulfill your calling and continue doing that well, and that you navigate conflict in a, in a healthy way that leads to great opportunities for ministry growth. So, love you guys, and we will talk to you next time. Yeah, see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Mad Pastors podcast today. We hope that you found it not only encouraging, but beneficial that you have people in your corner doing ministry. Here's what we'd love for you to do. If you'd subscribe, review, and share our podcast, that would mean the world to us, and it'd help as many pastors to hear and be encouraged just like you were. G6 is also supported by partners and allies like you who are willing to financially give and be a part of this ministry with us. So if you feel like you'd like to be a part of this with us, just go to g6allies.com slash partner, and we'd love for you to become our ally in our mission to serve pastors and their families. If you have questions, comments, or just want to talk more with us about your particular ministry needs, just email us at hello at g6allies.com. We can't wait to see you next time for our next episode. 